Where's that dust coming from? Still finding debris after vacuuming? Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has 8,000 PA of powerful suction to remove debris deep in carpets. And it's totally hands-free. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y.com and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Tennis Podcast on day six of the Australian Open, where I've just glanced at the clock and seen that it's only 20 past one in the morning and I suddenly felt a jolt of energy run through me like, yes, early night (laughs) incoming. Uh, Genuinely pumped about that. You find us at Tennis Podcast Towers. I'm here. David's here. Hello, David. Hello. (laughs) Silly, isn't it? (laughs) Matt's here. Hello, Matt. Hello. Yes, I got I got my rent out of the way yesterday. I'll be jolly today. Although I've got you've been at it a bit today. I mean, mostly by people that enjoyed it tremendously, and they, of course, are the sensible people. But uh, there's been a bit of atting with counterpoints that, if time allows, I might uh, put to you just for my was, own amusement. I was called a whinging pom. <laughs> <laughs> might put that in my Twitter profile. <laughs> Please okay, don't. what don't. has <laughs> happened on day six of the tennis, of, of, well, it is day six of the tennis podcast, but day six of the Australian Open. Do you know what, guys? I'm going to lead with Adrian Manorino. <laughs> that, A, that's the first time that's ever happened, mm. I think. And do you know, I think I heard him speak for the first time in my life today. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I didn't realise until he started. I, was, I don't know what he sounds like. Well, we know what he's got to say because we we now have an answer, everyone, to what is Adrian Manorino doing? <laughs> and that answer is tequila. <laughs> <laughs> it literally is tequila. Yep. It goes so well. The- yep. He was asked for the for the secret of his success since since turning thirty four, why he's having the best years of his career. And the first word that came out of his mouth was tequila it makes it makes me happy uh adrian manorino beat ben shelton today or tonight rather four hours and 51 minutes matt and i watched the last two sets of this two two of five sets of course um david you commentated on the last set of it i mean matt and i went out there to the kia arena to see the ben shelton show and we saw a show, that's for sure, but there we are. We, we went out to the uh, the Kia Arena, sat down, 
sort of rubbing our palms together thinking, yeah, this is just perfectly set up for Ben Shelton, isn't it? It's the perfect size of courts, the perfect time of day. It's twilight hour at Melbourne Park. He's got himself involved in a bit of a tussle, but he's just on top of it. You know, it's, it's all perfect. Rowdy crowd. First, first rally we see is an around-the-net post forehand winner from Adrian Manorino. <laughs> and that just about summed up the experience didn't it? I mean, yes, Ben Shelton did produce some heroics and, and some moments of spectacular, but basically Adrian Manorino was somehow running that show. He was. Well, one of the things he did was totally neutralise the big Ben Shelton weapon, which is his serve. You know, it was absolutely extraordinary how these, these rallies that were playing out it was almost like the serve hadn't happened because normally Ben Shelton will put the serve in and he will set up the point that way and they'll play, play them on his terms. But what was happening is he was banging these serves down and Manorino with his, with his trampoline string racket was just putting his racket in the way and it was, it was coming back at Ben Shelton's feet like before Shelton had really finished his very elaborate service motion. And suddenly we were in just a rally of flat ground strokes. And that was exactly what Adrian Manorino was after. There, there, there was a, a moment because Shelton is, is quite selective as to when he brings the heat, mm. when he rolls it, when he swings it. He's got all the serves. And look, if, the, if you hit the fastball all the time, your shoulder would fall off. And also the, the opponent would get used to it and, and you'd start missing and all the rest of it. But he decided to pull the trigger in one game and he, he produced a 140 and then a 142 and they both came back and Manorino won both the points. He, he was having far more success with with kick serves and slower pace yes, serves yeah. and mm. pace... I mean, the, the, the speed of that serve was not troubling Adrian Manorino one bit, exactly as Matt described, or both of you described. Ben Shelton's biggest serve in the sport became a sort of clay court rally starter serve <laughs> in that match. It was it was unreal. And Manorino was exerting absolutely no effort in doing so. He's literally just sticking out his arm. Mm. It's not even really a swing. His arm's just there. The ball's hitting the racket and it's pinging off. It's... His hand-eye coordination and with that little short take back on the forehand. I mean... He's a bit of a genius, really. <laughs> it, it was such a fascinating matchup. Like they, they just have totally different approaches to the sport. Like even down to the fact that you know, I'm sure we'll come on to it. Like I bet that Ben Shelton knew exactly who his next opponent would be, and Adrian Manorino isn't going to know until 15 minutes before he walks on court if he can help it. You know. Ben Shelton is, lives for the hype of trying to play Novak Djokovic, you know. Whereas Andrew Manorino is just playing any, anyone who's in front of him and he'll just do the same thing. And, and through the whole match, I was thinking how, how much I would love Andrew Manorino and Ben Shelton to face off in just like totally different things other than tennis. One of the things <laughs> I like about tennis is it feels like a coming together, a lot of different skills. Like it, it tests hand-eye and skill and all of those sorts of things, Adrian Manorino's going to win. But it's also a great physical test and all of those things, Ben Shelton's going to win. And tennis is like a combination of sort of everything. 
and it was just a it was just a fascinating sort of matchup between two people who just are playing the same sport but in totally mm. different ways. You, you know, you know how everybody talks about how loose the strings are on Manorino's racket. Ten kilos. Yeah. Mm. That kind of goes over my head. I know the trampoline effect and all that sort of thing, but they're numbers, really, and, mm. and it's a description. I actually got to see it today. There was a moment where the camera did a close-up on Manorino adjusting the strings in his racket, and it was like spaghetti. It was like, it was like squiggly little lines, and, and they weren't taut at all. They were just He was just moving them around. Like they're, they're all bunching up on the sides. They should, you know, all the fun, fun social videos that tennis TV and ATP and all the rest of it. Well, mostly those two do, you know, and they're always looking for a, you know, a fun little angle or theme. And it's, you know, trying to serve blindfolded or serve with your left hand if you're a right hander. Blah blah blah. There should be a try and play tennis with Adrian Manorino's <laughs> string tension. Should, I mean. It would be fun and funny, I'm sure, but I also am genuinely intrigued. I mean, would they be rubbish or would they be basically excellent but sort of imperceptibly, you know, 1% less good? Pete, Pete I, Sampras, I honestly don't know the answer to that. I want to see Pete Sampras using Manorino's racket and Manorino using Pete Sampras's racket, which I think is four times as tightly strung. <laughs> I mean, Matt was sitting there going, oh, maybe I should play with a trampoline racket. <laughs> and and maybe maybe you should. Maybe more people should be doing it. What, I bet Matthew does. <laughs> why aren't more people doing it? Mm. Do you have to have the hand-eye... Is it just not possible for I think people prob- with that unique skill to I think to you play? have to be able to... You have to hit it the way he hits it with the short tape back and everything flat and bunting and... All this stuff. It's he's just, t- play, he's just playing a different sport to everyone else. He just sort of times the ball about the place, doesn't he? And I'm sure that in Gary Nathan's article, which which you sort of referenced earlier in terms of that, what is Adrian Manorino doing? <laughs> One of the all-time great just, headlines. He's going to have to write an, an addendum. <laughs> yeah, I have the answer, tequila. But I'm sure that Gary wrote in that that actually it was... It was kind of forced upon Manorino to play this way. It was, it was injury-related mm. that, that oh, made him... Right change his technique and, and, and try this out. Um, yeah, he, he is fascinating. And honestly, it is, a, it is a technique that does seem to save energy. Like, he's not swinging hard at the ball in the way that everyone else is. And, like, he has just won three five-set matches in a row at 35 years old. N- no one in a slam has ever won more than that in a row. Like, three is kind of the maximum that you can do. Like, I think... Even got... Toby Rob Ray don't know <laughs> yeah, did that many. exactly. Um, you know, some players have won four in, in a tournament, but three in a row is the max of a slam that there's ever been. Astonishing. I think Goran Ivanisevic won four in a row at the Olympics. That rings a bell from when we did tennis relive. Yeah. But, like, Manorino did not look out on his feet at the end of that match, He wasn't. Did he? Ben Shelton was. Yeah. Ben Shelton Big was time. gassed. Absolutely. I mean, he, he didn't know what it hit him. He was. He looked quite upset when he left the court. Ben that, Shelton, and that, I thought. And that's the thing when we were in commentary, is you actually have to pick your moment when to get hyped up. Mm. You know, it's, it's, it's so electric when, when he does, but you exhaust yourself. You cannot keep that up all the time. You've got to... 
be able to ride it out. And, and Manorino, as you say, I mean, look, players with sliced backhands conserve energy. Every shot Manorino hits conserves energy. <laughs> His I whole mean, demeanour conserves energy. He, he's doing a lot of running, but the actual hitting of the ball requires no energy at all for Manorino. I mean, it's like it's sort of happening to him in his arms there with a racket at the end of it. I think he might be becoming one of my favourite players. Oh, my. I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> what, what a did, turnaround. What did you make of his... Um, <laughs> he did a kind of... Uh, Our WhatsApps about Manorino should never be exposed. <laughs> <laughs> let's just he say, let's just it, say I've, I've turned around. Yeah. There, were, there were two pockets of very vociferous... Um, French support mm. in the crowd At tonight, and they, the stadium, and they were kind of doing a a, um, like a, a question and answer type. <laughs> they were they were in tandem, um, and uh, they broke out into the Marseillaise together when Adrian Manorino. It was actually a bit inconvenient because Adrian Manorino joined in. It was in the middle of the interview, and Adrian Manorino couldn't hear the question, and then they were drowning out. Manorino's answer. But, and, and like, know, if he was more of a showman, he'd have probably said, I'll tell you what, let's just let this finish, shall yeah, we? Yeah, if I had been doing that this. interview, I would have got Adrian Manorino singing the Marseillaise. It was a beautiful moment because they sing it so wholeheartedly. It's wonderful. It is, it's goosebumps every single time. But before that, Manorino, after winning the match, he goes over to his bag he does his a very understated celebration and then he gathers up somehow he's acquired so many so many towels (laughs) and he he runs over to the the group of french supporters and he it's like he's that um now six months ago i didn't know this job existed in the world the 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 bloke at the nfl with the t-shirt cannon oh yeah they're good aren't they (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I didn't think that at the time when I was in the stadium. I was like, why aren't we doing sport? Why is there someone with a T-shirt cannon? But this, isn't, this isn't what I came for. Why are anyway, the men bending but, over? Um, yeah, Adrian Manorino goes full towel cannon and starts just distributing towels into the, <laughs> into the crowd. And then he starts sort of jogging around, doing a little victory lap. Mm. Wild times on the Kier Arena. <laughs> Absolutely wild. And he now plays Novak Djokovic. Who was on it tonight. I mean, Yeah, uh, please tell us about that, because honestly, that match passed me by tonight. I was so focused on this Shelton Manorino match. Yeah, my, my experience of this match, the Djokovic match, was exclusively through Hannah's tweets, which were punning on how etch of very uncut very uncompetitive it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and actually, it's quite interesting looking at the head-to-head He'd got him in one tie break, I think, and then the other sets were uncompetitive. I had been a little bit taken in by his wins over Andy Murray and Gelmont Fies and could see a way that he could make this really hard for Novak Djokovic. But I, I also knew that there was a chance that Djokovic could really turn up. And at some point, in all of these 24 Grand Slam mm, titles and all match, these 10 Australian Opens, there's a moment. I always mm. think of the moment he won Wimbledon after having the elbow problem. It was the the one against Karen Hatchinov. Mm. And he just suddenly looked like the more powerful player against a guy with that forehand. Um, and tonight was the night. He came on. He was unencumbered by stress. 
yes, I still think he's he's still blowing his nose a bit and all that sort of stuff. But he got that look in his eye. Clarity of thought. I'm going to take this guy out. And he knew exactly what to do on every shot. And really, I mean, Echeverry had a bad day. He really didn't play well. And I think, I mean, he, he, he idolizes Djokovic. Maybe that was an element of it. But he just looked like he had no bite on his strokes. He looked like a hitting partner for Novak Djokovic, to be honest. And I know that sounds quite mean, but when you watch the rallies, he hits a lovely ball in in a rallying context. And then it was just, is Djokovic in the right frame of mind? Yes, he is. Okay, he ends the rallies. And it just was time after time after time. Um, I think hot conditions with Echeverry being unencumbered by the sort of stress of it all because he kept missing he kept missing shots he wouldn't normally m- miss but Djokovic just just showed why he's won them all he he plays the guy he's he's still even at this age able to play a 24 year old at his own game outlast him and then pull the trigger it was it was, it was pretty awesome can Manorino's weird box of tricks do anything to Novak Djokovic is, is it I haven't looked at the, the head-to-head between them. I think it's 4-0, actually, isn't it, between the two? I mean, He's never beaten him. Stands to reason. Um, I don't think so. I think he'll guide the ball about. I hope. What I hope is that Manorino doesn't have an issue with the occasion and that he plays as he can, because then it would be be nice to see, you know, but I don't see him troubling Djokovic. I really don't. Mm-hmm tend to feel the same um Yannick Sinner you know how we were talking before the tournament or I was saying before the tournament that Yannick Sinner's sort of presence in it it, it, I he just sort of I, I kept forgetting about him even though he's a big feature of my predictions and I expect him to have a big tournament and and all the rest of it I just I don't know I he's just not sort of there for me because he's winning so easily and he's winning um, during sessions and at times when other matches are happening that are more competitive and are more sort of demanding of my attention. They've all been early, haven't they? They've They've all all been been early. They've all been one-sided kind of straight away. So I've ended up going, okay, well, that's just Sinner playing great. Don't need to watch that for, for podcast purposes if something interesting happens, I'll you know I'll return to it. So, so still, I, I'm I'm just sort of not really. I am aware of Sinner being here, but I'm just not really engaged he's, with it. He's yet. doing exactly what he's supposed to be doing, mm. and therefore we're sort of deferring him until week two. Right, and that is what should happen for top players like we've noticed Yannick Sinner in 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 the first week of slams because he's come unstuck a bit or he's got himself involved in a match that is sort of worthy of really talking about you know this is the first time he's reached the second week of a major since the Covid French Open without dropping a set you know it's just it's just a clear elevation and he's just being more ruthless more efficient uh, so that's you know that that's a good sign I think and he absolutely crushed Baez today who six games yeah. no four games lost yeah to Baez you know these are good draws it's, the, a, it's the, been a very good they draw. are and 
And that's an interesting one because he could do with a test now, I think, a sharpener, don't you think? I, I, I do take that point. Who, who is it? It's Sashinov. Oh, who beat Christ. the best player in the world today. Yeah. That and is a test. They, their matches have always been long. I was looking at their record. They've had two 7-6 in the decider and one 6-4 in the decider. See, um, see, Sinner does not need that. No. He, he needs to be... I mean, he, he's not going to beat this guy 2-2-2. Two, two and two, mm. But he needs to not be beating him 8-7-6 in the fifth. It needs to be three or four, three close sets or four or mm. four sets. Will yeah. it be? I'd say yes. I think so. Um, look, Hachinov was impressive today in that he was really good in the big moments. You know, he's so tough to put away, so solid, so what reliable. A pro he is. He's such a great yeah. pro, it, isn't he? And, and since Sinner last played him, I'd say Hachinov's got better at slams. You know, he's, he's really stepped up and he constantly reaches the second week of slams you know but ha- Thomas Mahatch outplayed him today I mean it was that that match was all about the big points Hatchnov was uh two out of three on his break points and Mahatch was two out of 19 I mean the the chances just kept coming and going and you know he was brilliant Mahatch loads of winners not even that many unforced errors but it was, it was sort of when you when it was the points you win rather than sort of how you win the points, I suppose. Grand and Slam tennis in a nutshell. That yeah, match, it wasn't absolutely it? was. But, uh, but I just think Sinner is a combination that can outplay Hatchinov and win the big points as well. I, I trust Sinner at the moment. What is Thomas Mahatch's ranking going to be at the end of the year? 30. He's the best player in the world, David. <laughs> Give him 18 months. <laughs> Listen, I, I think there still remains a big question mark over his temperament and his ability to win these sort of matches. Yeah. Because he needs a bit more action of in him. Yeah, I mean, he was <laughs> he was the better player for a lot of the match, and yet he lost it in mm. four sets. And that can't happen if you're going to get your ranking where maybe your potential mm. could get it to. Yeah, like that, that. I don't think there's a player really with a right now with a bigger gap between their talent and their potential versus their ranking and their results. And I think Sinner is a really great example of what you can do, both with talent and mastering the the moment. Mm. I mean, 30, if it's 30, and I think that's about right, I yeah, think that would be a really... five at the moment, a, that's a massive know, a good jump. Se- that's a very, that, that would be a very good season. Get, him, and I think get himself seeded at slams. Yeah. Do, do, would you agree with that? Yeah, I think that's about right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think his ceiling should be higher than that longer term. But yes. for the end of this year, I think that would be fine. Get yourself seeded at slams. Yeah. Take it from there. Um, we're, we're like a sort of consortium <laughs> of advisors because <laughs> we like him. Uh, we started today thinking the projected Sitsipas versus Fritz fourth round match would actually quite possibly end up being a Luca Van Ash versus Fabian Marijan uh, fourth round match. That's certainly what our predictions uh, thought it would be, David. I, I was watching all this very closely at I the time. I went for Van Ash and uh, David went for Marijan. And that's because we don't trust either of them. And, <laughs> and I went for Mac. <laughs> It's been a great day. Why guys. do you not listen to this? Um, <laughs> yeah, and and maybe we should have more trust in both of them. 
or maybe this was about a, a golfing experience and and class today. But I don't. I, I don't know. I don't know where is where are Stefanos Sitsipas and Taylor Fritz in terms of this tournament. Do you, do you know? I think the difference is more about their opponents in that. It shows the difference between somebody with loads and loads of talent and potential and Mahatshi, we've just explained it really, and people who know how to win matches at Grand Slam level. Now, particularly Taylor Fritz has failed at that a lot of times. Um, he lost to Brandon Holt, didn't he? He lost here last year to Alexi Popperin. He, he, was, he just looked like a, a good pro today who did his job and and uh, Marijan won the first set, played out of his mind. I kind of feel like his top level might be higher than Fritz's top level in little peaks. But then his his body started to let him down, and and Fritz knew what to do. He just knew how to to handle him. Um, Sitsipas, I watched quite a bit of that, and and I I don't feel like he's where he needs to be. He he's not at the moment the player he was beating Roger Federer and, and getting to the final of this tournament a year ago. I think he's a long way off. What was the service situation today? New action, old action? I, ca- I can't say I, I watched it closely. Um, he just doesn't give me total confidence that he's got it all under control at the moment. There, there was a time when, unless he faced Daniel Medvedev or... Roger or Rafael Nadal or Novak Djokovic, I thought he was the next best thing. I just don't feel like that at the moment. He doesn't. He doesn't give me confidence, security. There's not a sort of solidity mm. to him that there used to be. Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of his happy place. I think Australia, isn't it? Like he does perform well here. I mean, f- four of his last five visits, it's taken Medvedev, Djokovic, or Nadal to beat him here, and honestly. We might be in that situation again. Like I would probably back him to beat Fritz, and it's pretty close. But then you know you are sort of where they are in this tournament. I think both of them are in that category of we're going to lose to Novak Djokovic in the quarterfinals. I don't, I don't feel like Sitsipas lets his brain beat him. Like it, I don't feel like I feel like he really rates himself. Whereas I think Fritz sometimes walks onto the court mm-hmm. with a, with an imposter syndrome. And today he didn't because he was playing somebody lower ranked than him. But I don't, do you, I don't know what the stats would say, but I don't think Fritz beats that many players ranked higher than him. Mm. I feel like both, they both got very complex psyches, and that they both have a bit of imposter syndrome, but also a bit of arrogance about them. You know, particularly Taylor Fritz on that front. I think there's. Yeah, I think there's sort of a, a, a weird mixture of a touch of entitlement, but also a, more than a touch of insecurity. Um, I, can't, I just can't stop thinking about, I can't stop hearing him saying, she's never seen my pace about Katie Bolter at United Cup. <laughs> Jessica Bagula saying, you've got to stop heading to her with pace. Because she likes your pace. She's never seen my pace. <laughs> I just can't stop hearing it. Anyway, sorry, Taylor. Um, uh, last bit of business on the men's side. Dominoy's had a pretty clinical first week, Alex Dominoy, hasn't he? 
by reaching the fourth Apart round. One say lost to me lost Ranich. We don't talk about that, Matt. <laughs> we don't talk about it. Look, Ranich was serving out of his head. Out of out of a tree, uh, he's reached a seeding by reaching the fourth round, hasn't he? So to beat, to kind of exceed his on paper potential at this tournament, he needs to beat perennial Grand Slam quarter finalist Andre Rublev. Who uh, who took care of Sebastian Corda tonight pretty handily? Yeah, and Corda, I don't think helped himself by having long matches to get to that point. I, don't, I can't say I watched it, so I I can't give a, a great insight into it. But I am absolutely fascinated by Rublev against mm. Dimonor in so many different ways. I don't think it's the greatest matchup of styles. Like Manorino Shelton was just a joy because it was so weird, <laughs> but. <laughs> Uh, Rublev and Dimonor, there'll probably be a lot of samey rallies. But with the Australian crowd and all that's at stake and the hype around Dimonor, it's never been, there's never been more reason to hope for him than this. And yet he's playing somebody who's right there in terms of his level. You know, he's playing good stuff at the moment. Uh, Rublev, fascinated. Who, I mean,. I suppose we've got a couple of days to really work it out. But I feel really on the fence as to who's winning that. Yes. Pre-tournament, I went Dimonor. Same. Coming through that quarter. I think I'll just edge still for Dimonor. Like, He's been convincing. Do you think his variety might and he, do and he is, you know, We've that all been watching backhand. the Channel 9 coverage out here and the words weight of a nation on his shoulders are not underused. No. And actually, I suppose... We often talk about how his best stuff comes at Davis Cup and United Cup. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of similar, really, mm. isn't it? Because he's it's at It's all home. on him now. Storm Hunter went out tonight. It's all him. One, and, and again, we were talking about scheduling the other day. I wonder whether, you know, does that get the primetime night session slot over Djokovic Manorino? Djokovic hasn't had a night, hasn't had a day session match here for ages. He played all night sessions last year. He's had them all here this year. It's Sunday, isn't it? I mm. suppose it's easier to schedule somebody in a day on a Sunday. Like you could put Dimonor on a Sunday afternoon without mm. costing yourself yeah. viewers. I'm only guessing, yeah, but that, that, that's my expectation. It's not going to be hot on Sunday, according to the current forecast. So if, if the tournament is saying to Djokovic, we, we want to put you on one day session, you know, out of fairness... You know, his team might think Sunday's probably a good day for it. There are currently in the forecast, there's a couple of really hot ones later in the week. Uh, Of all players to to make it physical against, I almost wonder whether Djokovic wouldn't mind it being against Manorino rather than guiling and guiding the ball around at night. Mm. Mm. And and honestly, I I know we spoke about Manorino didn't seem that tired at the end of the match. He's played 12 hours of tennis in, in three rounds. like 15 I, sets. Yeah. Like, I don't 35. think... 35. Yeah. Like, I think Djokovic has got him. <laughs> mm. Yeah. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. 
all the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. You may know that I'm into my cooking, and I particularly like it when Catherine and Matt come to Solihull for meetings so that I can, you know, show off with my culinary talent. However, even I can do with a bit of help sometimes, and being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and cook times is pretty appealing to me, and Home Chef's meals, well, they're effortless. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. It's economical too. Home Chef customers save on average $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com forward slash tennis. That's homechef.com forward slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. homechef.com forward slash tennis and you must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. On to the women's draw now. Just before, though, I tell you about 16-year-old Mira Andreva, who I got to commentate on earlier, I want to tell you about On Location, the premium hospitality and experience provider. As you know by now, we are proud to be sponsored by On Location throughout the Australian Open. And as you also know, for the first time in history, official Paris 2024 travel packages from On Location are available online, making it easy for you to enjoy the thrill of the Olympic Games and the wonder of Paris like never before. Your Olympic Games adventure comes with guaranteed tickets to the sports events of your choice and accommodation in Paris plus world-class hospitality and options for custom tours and activities to immerse you in French culture, food, shopping and more. On Location's wide range of official travel packages has been created to suit every need, from shorter stays such as the Discover 2024 package to longer ones like the Explore 2024 package. All include guaranteed tickets to sports events categories A to D and they come with multiple possibilities for add-on services and elevated hospitality options that you've been hearing about throughout the week. Just go to toursfortennis.com forward slash podcast, tours the number four tennis.com forward slash podcast and select Olympic Games Hospitality to see what they have to offer. Packages can be purchased online 
or a dedicated on-location team member can contact you directly to create your perfect package. And of course, the link to check them out is available in our show notes and our newsletter. And uh, the last couple of days, I have had uh, two French players to commentate on. I've had Clara Burrell yesterday, who beat Jessica Bigula, and I had Diane Parry today, who came pretty close to beating... Mira Andreva and I got Olympics chat into both commentaries. <laughs> if anybody needs to know uh, what the official qualification um, regulations are for singles at the Olympics, I'm your gal. And let me tell you, it is complicated. Oh, I was going to say, what are they? Uh, I'll leave it. No, it's really, really complicated. <laughs> so I won't bore you with it now. I'll just say... I think that's going to be a big part of Diane Parry's the first six months of her her 2024. And, and all French players, I mean all players, but French players in particular in her situation, she's 72 in the world at the moment. She's French number four. Um, you can, France will be able to have five singles players because there is a clause in the qualification. It's, it's supposed to be capped at four within the rankings limit. I've said that I won't explain it. And Sounds here, like you are. Here I am explaining it. Anyway, <laughs> basically, she's sort of a bit on the cusp at the moment okay. and she would she could do with getting a ranking up to make sure of, of Olympics qualification. If I'm Diane Parry right now, that is all I'm thinking about. And probably not the best mood because of today. No. S- s- sorry, can I ask a question about it? Yes. Does she need to get her ranking up just on its own or more so in comparison to the other French players? Both. So she needs to, at the moment, she's okay in terms of her relativity to other French players because four four can qualify. And in fact, in France, five can qualify. So uh, Océane Dodin behind her, uh, who's through to the third round and plays tomorrow. So she cheering for Dodan's opponent. <laughs> well, no, because her Cause Dodan's opponent French. is Clara Burrell. It's oh. it's a it's it's all very oh, French. It's a whole thing. Um, How did but she yes, need... you need to be in the top fifty six. Right. So it's a sixty four draw, and the top fifty six qualify automatically with a cap of four players yeah. from each nation. I very much ended up explaining the whole thing, haven't I? Um, anyway. <laughs> How so come f- she nearly won and then didn't? Well, there's a question, David. I mean, the big answer to that is Mira Andreva and how goddamn good she is. Um, there's other things. There's other things here as well. She tightened up big time, Diane Parry, and I think she's got a game that doesn't um, resist tightening up particularly well I, I think Mirandreva figured her out and continued to figure her out over the course of the match look early stages of this it was a very odd scoreline it was 6-1 first set to Parry 6-1 second set to Mirandreva and she's 5-1 down in the decider is Mirandreva and it looks like we're going to have uh, a beautifully symmetrical scoreline, and I was getting excited about that. 
Um, but, <laughs> it was all uh, nails to Pinker. It, but then when it, it when it becomes clear that it isn't going to be symmetrical, the only acceptable scoreline is seven six. Absolutely, I was manifesting as <laughs> soon as as soon as Andreva broke back for five two. I was like, well, he's got to go to a tie break now, and I was sending sending that energy out onto court successfully. Absolutely, uh, Diane Parry is. Think Amelie Moresmo. That is absolutely the mould. And I'm, uh, and that's not just a lazy... I hope it's not just a lazy comparison because she's French and has a single-handed backhand. There's more There's more to it, to that, in terms of the heavy, heavy topspin, the knifing slice. She's, it's, she's got a very interesting game, a game you don't... you don't see very much of at all in tennis these days. And... It was so different for Andreva to the match that she played two days ago against Lance Chabot. It was just, it just couldn't possibly have been more different for her conditions, opponent, everything. She's immediately rocked back on her heels. Diane Parry, she does have an injection of pace, but she, she doesn't, she only uses it to end the point. She mostly uses the spin and Andreva was, backing off the spin was rearing up so much on her she's only five foot seven Andreva she was letting herself get pushed back and she she doesn't have great power Andreva she's a great absorber of power she's not a great creator of power and she couldn't hit through the spin she was pushed back in the court and she looked pretty impotent really um, and then she goes off court at the end of the first set and Diane Parry has all this time to think about things and Andreva just starts weaving a web and suddenly she's just using the channels brilliantly and hitting these incredible... doing all the things she did against Son Chabur two days ago and Diane Parry's rocked back on her heels and suddenly you can see her mind scramble and she's injecting the pace at the wrong times all of a sudden, you know, she's... She's not thinking clearly about when to pull the trigger. And then Mira Andreva in that deciding set, she was, you talk about on the ropes. She was, she was on the ropes and more. And she was, as she told us in, in her press conference afterwards, she was thinking just one point at a time. And, you know, she talked about facing match points and she was thinking, oh God, why have I done that on match point? <laughs> this this <laughs> is over. Um, but one game at a time, steadily, steadily, steadily. And the match just came alive midway through that deciding set. She suddenly got the crowd with her. It had, it had honestly been quite a flat match. There wasn't a spare seat in the house on court three, you know, word of Andreva has has spread they'd come to see her and it wasn't what they came for it was one of those sort of slightly what's the fuss oh, about what what's this then um vibes but it just transformed in in a split second and Andreva transformed and suddenly she's she's this teenager conducting thousands of people um and as soon as we got into a deciding set tie break it it really felt like there was only going to be one winner. And the way she just draws opponents into her web, you know, you could see, you could see Parry thinking, I know I'm getting drawn in. 
I know, <laughs> I know what's happening here. I know why. Sh- why am I hitting this shot? What, don't, what, don't do why it. Am, why am I about to th- do this? Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. She's. Well, oh no. I've done it. I've done. <laughs> I've done it, and she's ah. You could see it all happening, and yet it's just completely irresistible. And she, she's irresistible as a prospect, isn't she? I mean, what a press conference she gave after that match. It was press conference of the week, Matt, wasn't it? Oh, it was. It was gold. I mean, I mean, my experience of this match, I. I enjoyed watching Matt Fussman's face, which sounds like a weird thing to say, but he's he's <laughs> in my a, eye line. I in caught the a press glimpse centre. of Matt's phone earlier, and one of the, it, it, he he was showing me a message he'd just received from Matt Fussman about the Manorino Shelton match, and I caught a glimpse of a previous message, which was an apology for Matt from Matt for being creepy. <laughs> I could just see his face. And I could tell he was watching a match, but you know, there's lots of matches going on. And I was playing a game with myself: which match is Matt Fussman watching? <laughs> Can I tell from looking at his face? And I said, "I reckon that's an Andreva face." There's a look of just wonder, and he was like, "Oh yeah, of course it's, of course it's Andreva. He is sort of very intrigued and I think stimulated by sort of her matches. And he, he, you know, the reason I mentioned that story is because he was in the press conference with us. Um, we sort of had a three-on-one, didn't we? Yeah, we did a bit, uh, which was nice. And yeah, she's she's fantastic. She, she's as good in the press mm. conference room as she is on the court, and that's that's as high a praise as I can give. And it felt like a really important press conference because she was on court three, and there was no on court interview, which is I just egregious. Don't, I just don't think Mira Andreva should be scheduled on court without an on court interview. It's it's one of the moments of every day when you know what is she going to say that is going to encapsulate this match in a, a pithy, perfect, funny way. Matt feels so strongly about that take. He asked Andreva about it. He he was like, "Do you feel annoyed? You're not. You weren't on a court with an on court." I'm, I'm always trying to project what I feel onto these players. Yeah. Answer: Andreva is less annoyed than Matt. <laughs> Yeah. Um, here's us bragging about our three-on-one with Mira Andreva. David had a one-on-one. I did, yeah. And uh, we, had, we had a... Uh, it was only th- honestly, it's three and a half minutes long, this interview. And that's all I needed. You know, my, my three questions were one about the comeback. And she said that she was she started to realise all she wanted to do was get to the two-hour mark. She, that was her goal. When she, she she said, I noticed on the, the clock when I was down 5-1 that it was an hour and 35 minutes. <laughs> and I thought, wonder if I could get it to two hours. And I thought, what a fascinating mm. way for the mind to work. You know, and she, she did say she thought she'd lost. You know, she thought, I'm not going to come back from this. And that often helps, doesn't it? Um, my, my next question was about the fact that Andy Murray had tweeted about her and called her a winner. He praised her mental strength and concluded she's a winner. And I asked her, what does it feel like to have your mental strength praised by Andy Murray and to be called a winner by him? And she said, I, I, I know he did that. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to print that out and I'm going to carry it with me wherever I go. Uh, oh. <laughs> it was so sweet. Um, and, then I, and then I... Sorry, go on, Matt. I was going to say, I've obviously, you know, I've, I've been... I've been David Law influenced because I asked her the exact same question in the press conference. <laughs> Good lad. And, and she gave the same answer. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then I just asked her, what, what is your tennis dream? And she said, 
Well, it's not for right now. Um, and I know that most players will say that they want to be the number one in the world and things like that. But I want to be remembered. I, I want to be remembered the way that Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal are remembered after they've wow. finished. Ooh. That's what I want. What a thing to what say. Wow. You know? and, and for some reason, you don't come off it thinking, you arrogant little... <laughs> you don't. You just no. think, oh, bless you. You know, good luck <laughs> is all I ended up thinking. And I, 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 don't, I hope people don't hold this stuff against her. I hope that people are as amused and taken over by as I, as I am. I, I think she's charming and refreshing and 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 it's wonderful and we we have a bit of a responsibility in the media i've said this before not to make her go into a shell she needs to feel comfortable in these surroundings because she's she's wonderful yeah there she is in her press conference talking about how she spends her free chart free time watching youtube videos of old tennis matches mm. she's she's one of us that we, was a brilliant answer to, to your her. question Catherine. yeah i asked her about the martina hingis comparisons that are rife you 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 called it as early as anyone david but but lots of people are making that comparison um because it's it's such a striking one i just thought God, I mean, Martina Hingis's singles career was before Mira Andreeva was even born. You know, it's it would be completely legitimate if Andreeva's a bit like, who's this Hingis person? I Her mean, it would make was before it, she would, was born. it would make us all feel ancient, but like that that would be reasonable, I think. So I kind of asked her how aware she is of that comparison and. Yeah, if she is aware what she makes of it and she said I, I am very aware and I've made a point of going back and watching loads of her stuff on YouTube and I love her matches she started talking about her French Open final about Steffi Graf and it was a, a, a final with Steffi Graf which she said she'd watched multiple times including quite recently this is unprompted it's unreal um and I was thinking oh, shall I just mention tennis relive to mm. her I was like, I've... <laughs> Should I've I, got a podcast series for you. Should I just give her a free subscription? Because <laughs> um, I, I really think she'd love it. She said, yeah, when when I go back to the hotel, I watch, you know, I watch live tennis. And when there's no live tennis on, if it's the off season or whatever, I just go on YouTube and watch old matches. And I just, I just wanted to go and hug her and sort of invite her into the gang. <laughs> um, and, 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 and she gave a deep dissection of the Martina Hingis game in terms mm. of, you know, sort of the elements that she thought were similar and stuff that was different. She spoke a lot about how Hingis liked to come forward more than she does. And I do think that is an area that is an obvious area of improvement still for her, like mm. at the net. And she, well, she's very aware of that. Exactly. But I she's like, but she's like, I can win rallies from the baseline. Yeah. She's framing <laughs> it as, uh, as I don't need to come to the net so much. <laughs> I'd love to ask Hingis about her because my guess is she would love her. I hope because so. Because Hingis spoke kind of like this. She didn't have the, the humour that that, uh, that Andreva has, but she had the sort of sort of cockiness, you know. Mm. 
Yeah. And some other stuff. Yeah, and some other stuff. Yeah. Uh, Mira Andreva plays Barbora Krejcikova next, who's downed the last female sensation standing. Storm Hunter won the first set and then lost the next two in front of about 12 people on the Rod Laver Arena, including David Law. So yeah. it's still a good crowd, but... yeah. I mean, listen, there were there were a few hundred, and then and when she made a little response, they made some noise. But another great shame that that so many people had just gone home. Really, um, there was a man with a kangaroo inflatable doing his very best with the vibes. He was giving everything he got, uh, and Storm Hunter played very well, and probably should have won. She got really close in the second set, didn't take her breakpoint chances, went. Once those had gone, it was it was over, really. So it is Krejcikova and Draver in round number four. It is also Sabalenka Anisimova. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, Sabalenka has won just uh, has lost rather just six games in three matches. It was a double bagel today against Lesia Serenko. She said in a post match interview that. Uh, more bagel sets was one of her goals for 2024. She said, I saw saw how many bagels Ego was dishing out last year. And I thought, yep, I'll have some of that. Uh, and that is a New Year's resolution, I think, already fulfilled for Arena Sabalenka. Is she, though, my question, looking at you, Matt, going into her fourth round match with a woman that she has struggled massively with in the past is she going in undercooked? I wouldn't say undercooked. Like, I think she's finely tuned and honed right now. Like, to me, undercooked is is sort of slightly lacking in in some sharpness, I suppose. And, like, I think she's as sharp as she can be, especially with all the Brisbane results as well. Like, I think she's going in in tip-top form. I suppose she hasn't, she hasn't had a... She hasn't had a close match, you know. If it were to get close, are her are her competitive sort of instincts right on the surface? Honestly, I would worry about that with Sabalenka, sort of anyway. Like close matches, I just get a bit worried that Sabalenka gets tense, even if she's had one in the previous round. Like I just think that's always around the corner for her. Um, the, I think the matchups the biggest worry. I mean, a four-one head-to-head is considerable. Um, how many of those previous four Anisimova wins did you watch highlights of on YouTube today? Well, you caught me watching one. <laughs> I did. <laughs> no, honestly, the 2019 match that they played here, that was their first one. I, I can't think of a tennis match that has left a bigger impression on me immediately after coming out of it. I don't think I'd ever seen Anisimova play live before. And she took Sabalenka apart. She was 17 years old. Um, and honestly, look, it's there's some poignancy to this match. You know, that was that was in January 2019. Later that year, both Sabalenka and Anisimova lost their fathers. And if you think five years on, they've both been deeply affected by that. Of course, um, Anisimova's coming back from from the break. Um, one of the things I think the first series of Breakpoint did was actually show the 
the impact of, of that on Arena Sabalenka as well. And, you know, she went through her yips as well. You know, like, there's been a lot going on in both of their lives. They've been in very different places to where they were five years ago. There was just such a freedom about Anisimova over that day. And Sabalenka was, you know, not a major champion, but was, was a contender. So they're, they're, they're in very different places. Um, you know, they're both playing this sport, which was so connected to their fathers. You know, it must... It must ache, I think, sometimes for them to play this sport. So, you know, it's just great that they're both here at this match, I think. Um, Anisimova was great today against Paola Bellosa. That that was her best performance of the tournament so far, even with an injury concern. You know, she was she was struggling with her stomach. She had some stomach cramps. It was, um, it was great to see her fight like that, it wasn't was, it? It was, through all of that. Because... <laughs> As she told us in her press conference after the first round, the the ball striking is is always there, right? No matter where everything else is. We, we know that when she's there, she can hit a beautiful tennis ball. But I was left with a feeling of how much do you want this after that press conference? And I don't know if she knows the answer to that. Mm. I feel like that's what she's kind of trying to find out at the moment. But... I wonder if today's match, she she might have discovered or realised or just felt like she she really does want this. Mm. You know, maybe not as much as an Iga Svantec, but more than she did a year ago or, or before that. It, I, I loved seeing her in that mode today. Yeah, yeah, I think that's well said. And she's going to need that mode <laughs> against Sabalenka, you know, I, I was, I was impressed the way her serve improved. I'm always worried about Anisimova's serve. She doesn't have a good, reliable kick second serve. There's quite a lot of double faults can yeah, come. I, I mean, the number of times I've heard Matt say this week, oh, I'm worried about Anisimova's serve. <laughs> um, I am. She should, she should just hit backhands for a serve. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah honestly, the, the soundtrack of Matt watching Anisimova is, why is she running around it? Why is she getting a forehand there? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Look, I can't, I can't say anything. It's true. Um, I, I think she might lack a little bit of the explosiveness right now to to live with a full force Sabalenka. Like I, she hasn't faced this iteration of Sabalenka. I think I, I do think she can trouble her. I do think um, you know the the ball striking can trouble anyone. But Sabalenka's a a force to be reckoned yeah, with. Yeah, right they're, they're both different prospects than they were when they were yeah. facing off in those five other meetings. Coco Goff defeated Alicia Parks today, six love, six two, just domination from Goff in uh, in the day session. She's got Magdalena Freck next. Um just a really classy moment from Coco Goff in her in her press conference. Um acknowledging the loss of, of Mike Dixon and the impact of that um on on the whole media room and just a, a real sensitivity and perspective from Coco Goff that I think was really appreciated and she also um moved her press time and this was you know also something that um that the WTA and ATP deserve a lot of credit for they they carved out an hour in the the press conference schedule so that all the media uh, could attend um, a just a gathering to 
to remember Mike um, and just to, to all be together at the same time. And it felt really important and uh, well done, everybody involved in in making that happen. Um, and the last result that we should probably touch upon from the day is Beatrice Adajmaya losing out to Maria Timofeva, the 20-year-old Russian qualifier, 7663. Uh, she's got Marta Kostyuk ne- next, Timofeva. The, the big question here that many people are asking is backhand list, question mark. Mm. And, and I thank everyone for, for getting in touch with their suggestions. <laughs> um, but... Well, I just haven't seen enough of it. Under consideration, we'll make a point. I think the whole point of the backhand list really is that the, the WTA Tour is a sea of incredible backhands. Like there's so many people who can be on the backhand list. Um, so it's you know it's tough out there to get yourself on it. But I mean I'm impressed with her run. Generally, like she's beaten some tough players. And um, yeah, yesterday's news newsletter stat was a silly one that whenever she's won a main draw match at a WTA tour level tournament, she's gone on to win the title. And I did it yesterday because I thought she's probably going to lose to Hadash Meyer. So I'll do it now before it's not relevant anymore. But maybe it's more relevant now because she's, she's beaten mm. Hadash Meyer. And yeah, she's won, what, six matches now through qualifying and, and through the main draw. Like mm. She said in her post-match interview, didn't she? It was a great little moment. She was asked, I think it was Laura Robson mm. doing this one, wasn't it? She was asked, how does it feel to have made the second week of a slam? And she goes, oh, it's the third week for me, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, Tim a favour. Maria Timofeva, that was a, I came up with a Mira Andreva, Maria Timofeva hybrid there. Timofeva will face Marta Kostyuk in the fourth round. So fourth round action starts on Sunday. We continue with third round action tomorrow. Zhang Chinwen opens up the Rod Laver Arena against Wang Yifan, the all-Chinese clash. Then it's another Chinese player, Jerry Shang, the wildcard takes on Carlos Alcaraz, I think that one could be fun. Shontek against Noskova, first up in the night session. And then Alexander Zverev against not Phil Mickelson. Uh, Alex, Alex Michelson? Also Mickelson, I think. It is Mickelson. Yes, I think so. Okay. Oh, I was told it was pronounced Michelson. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out, guys. <laughs> We'll figure this out. Uh, the second court tomorrow, Tommy Paul and Mimi Ketsmanovic. That's going to go on forever, isn't it? Ostapenko against Lazarenka. I am commentating on that and I could not be more thrilled. And then the night session is Felix Auger-Eliassim against Daniel Medvedev and then Alina Svitolina against formerly of the backhand list, Victoria Golubich. No, very much still of is the she? backhand list. Hmm. But hanging on? Hanging, hanging on. on. Right. Fingernails. Okay. Let's not bump her off prematurely. Got to have one single hand there. It's all, you should almost, you know, maybe have that as a rule. <laughs> We've got an Umber against an Ur- an Urca. Oh, I, I, did, I did what Australian TV have been doing, which is sort of making Hubert Hercatch French. Umber um, <laughs> against Hercatch uh, is on John Kane. Emma Navarro against Diana Stromska. Norrie Rude. Uh, a few other bits and bobs happening. That's your main stuff. Blink of a Paulini, uh, Dodan Burrell. Uh, yep, that is your lot for tomorrow. And that's your lot for today's tennis podcast, except, of course, to tell you about 
our various mascots. We have Usher, our official mascot of the Australian Open. I'm going to pop a picture of Usher on our Instagram tomorrow. Hello, Usher. Sorry, I forgot to mention you yesterday. It's been um, it's been a frenzied couple of days here in Melbourne. But hello, Usher. Hello to Francis, David's mascot. To Darwin, my mascot. Hydra and Soma, Matt's mascot. We mascots. Plural, we have failed you all today. Aren't you glad you picked us? Billie Jean is sponsored by Billie Jean King and Alana Kloss. We have top folks and executive producers, Greg, Chris, Jamie and Jeff. And Matt, we have shout outs. Yes, Simon Williams in Leicester. Hi, right, Simon. Hello, Simon. Like Solly Hole Simon. <laughs> yeah. Like Briggs Simon. Like Gilles Simon. All the great Simons. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and uh, Simon says, I'd like to say thanks on behalf of my dog, Izzy, for Billie Jean Canine's occasional appearances, which she celebrates by momentarily appearing confused and then resuming the important work of sleeping for 16 hours a day. Hello, Simon. Hello, Izzy. Love that. Bonus dog content in a shout-out is the sweet spot. Next, we've got Matthew O'Shea, who is from Cork in Ireland, but living in Amsterdam. Right, Matthew. Like John O'Shea. <laughs> Had a brief spell at Reading towards the end of his career. Well, very, at the very, very end, end of his career. <laughs> Could, couldn't move, but um, could lump the ball very well. Very grateful to that. Like Matthew Ebden. Very good. Is he a sensation? Yeah. Yes, he very much he is. Very much he? so. Yeah. I'm sure he, he and Storm Hunter are favourites for the mixed doubles here. And that would be very sensational. For sure. Mm. Like Matthew Stockman, the Getty Images tennis photographer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Matthew. And final shout out tonight is for Carol Eccleshare. Oh, hello, Carol. All right, Carol, like Carol Cachera. Different spelling. Yeah. That's for the K. K. And he's a bloke. Yeah. Whereas Carol Eccleshare is Charlie's mum. Yeah. Carol Eccleshare, like Charlie Eccleshare. Mm. Hey. Friend of the show and uh, regular contributor as well, for which we're very grateful. Therefore, we're also very grateful to Carol because without Carol, there would be no Charlie. (laughs) (laughs) And when we bumped into Carol at the. uh... Yes, outside Euston Station. No, St Pancras. Yeah. Coming back from Roland Garros. In a very stressed taxi yeah, we situation. She made us feel better. She, she did. did. She, she genuinely really did. did. Yeah, there's some people that it would be a nightmare to bump into <laughs> in a moment like that. But actually, it was somehow really Ooh, nice. Let's run through the ones that would be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, people have got lives to lead, David. Therefore, we will wrap it up there. Do subscribe to the newsletter. Do follow us on Twitter. Do check out our Instagram. All the things. Tell your friends. Thanks for listening. We will speak to you tomorrow. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. 
change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware.